Hey, welcome to the Backyard Professor Responds videos. I'd like to also welcome all of those who are listening to this podcast as well as watching it. Welcome to all of our new members at the Mormon Discussions, Inc. and new subscribers. We hope that we can give you good quality listening materials and viewing materials. We have a variety of various avenues, various subjects, various ways of dealing with, uh, I'll say, social issues, intellectual materials, philosophy, history, scriptures, etc. Sometimes we just do downright ribald fun and humor. We try to give you a great variety for your viewing and listening pleasure, and we do appreciate all of our audience without question. Tonight, I want to respond to a comment that Elder Jeffrey R. Holland made at the 2023 Worldwide Devotional for Young Adults. I do believe it was just recently released, and I believe in giving credit where credit's due. This was a good talk by Elder Holland. He was quite funny. He was very interesting. He had some good things to say. And yet I found myself taking rather strong exception to one item in particular that I will comment on. And so let's take a look at what comment he made that I find entirely unpalpable. Including a new institute year. Some of you out there may be worried about things more serious than which course to take in school or what professional career you should pursue. Some of you may be wrestling with the burden of guilt and nothing so damages and deflates our hope and brings greater alienation from God than transgression brings. Sister Holland and I have consciously not chosen to make this a talk about sin or transgression, but we would be irresponsible not to touch on what the Lord has said it is our obligation to teach. There will always be a universal need for the hope-filled principle and marvelous practice of repentance when we have transgressed, when we know exactly why our flame of hope flickers and why sometimes it seems to have gone out, in such a condition, we have to change or our hope for a cheerful future is doomed. That candle is permanently out. That's why all of us have need to repent continually, all of us. Every day, President Nelson has said. So I ask you tonight to deal with the, the burden of transgression immediately. Starting this hour, sin being the greatest enemy of hope and happiness that I know of in all the world. Go before the Lord with your confession and go before the bishop if your sin requires it. 
But change whatever is wrong, large or small. Repentance is the way we get a fresh start. It's the way we get an elevated future. Life is difficult enough without carrying a pack of mistakes on your back all day, every day, all night, every night. Unload that. <clears throat> Very interesting. What I disagree with is the idea that you are wrong absolutely every single day and you need to make it right absolutely every single day. And you know what it is that you're doing wrong because the church lets you know constantly what it is they expect you to be doing. And of course, no one can keep up with that. So you are in perpetual guilt. You are in perpetual sin for just simply being human. And they love to insinuate themselves between you and Jesus. You notice he did say, go to Jesus and unburden yourself. And then go to your bishop because he will have uh, the way to get you back. So Jesus is not good enough. It takes the church. And that's what I disagree with. Alan Watts said it so powerfully, so succinctly, that I'm going to repeat what Alan Watts says. It would be a dereliction of my duty not to repeat this. If you focus on always your shortcomings, even daily, and your sin, your sins, of course, as the church defines it, in every one of its meetings, in its scriptures, in its manuals, in its handbooks, in its instructions, in its home teaching, or it used to do, etc., then you will constantly have a list as long as your arm of sins to constantly go through and tick off in your mind, okay, now today was I a good boy or a good girl, as Elder... Uh, what's-his-nose likes to call us, uh, Bednar, yeah, Elder Bednar. Well, let's see, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do, oh, no, no, I didn't do that. Oh, my gosh, I didn't do that. Oh, that's horrible. I should have done that. Well, I did do this and this. Oh, and I did that. Oh, my gosh, and I did this. Oh, and I did this. And I'll, I better hurry up and call a bishop. They perpetuate actually keep you as a sinner. Alan Watts said it best. When you sin, when you have a shortcoming, then repent of it and move on. Get over it and don't do it anymore. Improve yourself. The idea of improving yourself daily is not what I'm against. The idea of continually putting it in the dimension of sin is what I am vehemently opposed to intellectually, spiritually, and most importantly, psychologically. The church finds ways through your confessions to the bishop of prolonging your sins up to and through probationary periods, not in the scripture anywhere, 
that's pure church, to gain control over your life sexually, physically, financially, mentally, psychologically, in every way. What you're wearing, what you look like, did you have an appearance of evil? Did you swear, damn it? Did you commit adultery? Did you did you masturbate? Have you crossed your eyes? Did you leave food on your plate, etc., 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 etc. It makes you guilty always on both directions. What I didn't do, what I did do. This is criminal against our humanity in my take of things. I lived through it for 45 years. You can't, in Mormonism, just repent and move on and move forward and improve yourself. You're you silly enough to confess to the bishop and tell the truth like I was for a while. Then he seeks to shame you. That was never in any of Jesus's actions whatsoever ever in any of the four Gospels or in Paul. But the bishop will put you on a program. Oh, well, we need to do a 48-step program of how to get you to repent. And this is what you have to do, and you have to do this and this. You have to pay your tithing now. Otherwise, I'll know you're cheating and not being faithful. You have to do this. You have to save this. You have to do your morning prayers absolutely every day. You can't skip one day. Not one day. You always have to bless the food at mealtimes, etc. They'll give you this long, horrendous, hairy, freaking unaccomplishable list, which piles on more guilt because they know you can't accomplish it. And they'll give you six weeks to work on it. Now, you tell me, what's your psychology for the next six weeks? Are you going to have peace? Nope. And this is going to take you six weeks, mind you. Six weeks. And that's if you have thought about it hard enough every single day and night and prayed constantly, Lord, give me strength to overcome this terrible sin of swearing at my sister. And you won't accomplish it because you're just human. And they do know that. So you'll go into your bishop and say, well, you know, I fell off the bandwagon four or five times. And well, we could extend this for another small five weeks this time and, and help you out. You call me every time you feel the need, you're tempted or whatever. And so now you have to contact him every single day, etc. If you think I'm exaggerating, there's many people listening to this broadcast right now who know what I'm talking about. If you think it's an exaggeration, you need to go listen to some of John DeLynn's Mormon Stories podcasts of people who have gone through this repentance process. It's hell, and it lasts. The one gal who committed a serious sexual sin in her earlier life, confessed it, worked through the repentance process, etc., Went to get married in the temple. State president just happened to bring it up. Well, do you have any serious past transgressions that you've had? Notice his clever wording. And she she thought, well, the Lord had forgiven me and all, but yeah, it was a serious transgression. So she told the state president, and he goes, oh, well, I never heard about that. He goes, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, this is serious enough. You're going to have to wait for one year. 
to be married. There is no repent, forgive, and forget. There is only you do it our way, and we want to know everything so that we can control the time element. We can control the severity of shame. Are you going to be allowed to pass the sacrament? Are you going to be allowed to partake of the sacrament or prepare the sacrament or bless the sacrament? You certainly, what about temples? All of the people are going to do baptisms for the dead, but you can't, and you're one of the stalwarts, etc., etc., etc and they make sure it's public shaming. And then it extends if you keep messing up, etc. They want control and power over you. That's their version of repent, forget, and forgive. And they will never release that. They have it to the point to where they are talking to your eight, year old children about sexuality and parents are okay with that they start the process so young i didn't even know what the hell masturbation was but man did the bishop get stone cold serious and he thought i was kidding he honestly thought i was kidding he wouldn't explain it to me my little brother told me when I told him, I said, wow, the bishop's pretty upset with me. He wants to know if I masturbate. And I said, I don't know. And he thought I was kidding and he didn't like it. I go, what is it? When my little brother told me, I go, oh, hell, I've never done that. So I went back and told the bishop, no. He said, well, we're going to have to talk about this some more just to make sure. You know, 11 years old. Far, far worse has happened to a lot of people in Mormonism in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints-ism. And that's the way they want it. What it does is it makes you forever subservient to the leaders. You can never do enough. And you are never good enough. And you are filled with guilt by their definitions and standards and they keep it going because by the time you spent say three weeks repenting of this particular quote transgression you've done something else oh well you know they told me i have to confess so you tell them that well now that was much more serious than taking the piece of penny candy out of the store so we're going to have to now work with you i need you to come in twice a week into my office for 10 minutes each time and we'll talk about this for four weeks what do you think you're thinking about that whole month? What do you think you're thinking about if you have meetings set up every Sunday at 3 p.m. with the bishop to talk about your heinous problem? Well, not much on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, although it's in the back of your mind. But after hump day on Wednesday, Thursday, ooh, it's starting to get closer, man. I better start checking off my checklist. I better start praying a little harder to overcome this issue. I better, okay, let's see, I've done that. Okay, I didn't go there and so on and so forth. Friday comes along, you get more tense. Saturday's a nightmare and Sundays are just excruciatingly miserable. You're not worshiping Jesus on Sundays. You're terrified of the authority 
authority coming down on your head for your sin as the church sees it, and you have to repent, and you have to be publicly shamed, etc. I've let all that noise go. That's not repentance. And you notice who it is that meets out the punishment and meets out the forgiveness and decides when? Not Jesus. It's your bishop. And if it's bad enough, he gets the stake president involved. And if it's bad enough, he gets the 70 involved, etc., etc., etc. Nonstop ad nauseum. Tattoos, earring piercings, nose piercings, etc., homosexual tendencies, masturbation. They have a list as long as the day is long in minutes for you to continually ponder and decide how to act in every given situation of your life. And you think you're free to enjoy your life and see the world and learn in the world and learn from the world and study your scriptures and know what they really mean when you're thinking all to yourself, oh, if I only hadn't have done that, if I just, if I would have been a little stronger, if I just would have been a little stronger, next time I'm going to be a little stronger. Okay, let's see. 15 minutes has passed by. Let's see. What did I get read? Oh, and I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents. That's good enough. That's why I'm opposed against their entire system here. It has nothing to do with Jesus and forgiveness of sins. Jesus did say, and oh, how they love to quote this verse. They do it. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Yes, Jesus's is. But the church's isn't. They put you through torturous hell, especially especially as a teenager. Unfortunately, I speak from experience. And I suspect a great deal of this audience knows exactly what I mean. So, my advice, I simply do not accept their definitions of what causes guilt. I don't believe in guilt. Now, guilt can be good, but not the way the Mormons misuse it. Not for every little trifling error. Uh, no, I'm just not interested in that. Because they will keep it on you because it keeps you pliant, submissive, and obedient to not Jesus, to them. They dictate how, why, when, and where, and which. Who's in charge of your life? Not you. Not you. They say this is the only true road to repentance. Well, now that I've been doing repentance for quite a while, which is essentially true, Holland had it right. Change your attitude, you change your life. That doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. That just means I don't dwell on them for 18 and a half months in order to overcome my guilt, my 
fear my disappointment. I don't have to beg and plead God all the time because he already knows. And if the Book of Mormon is accurate, if the Book of Mormon is accurate with the infinite atonement, everything is covered anyway. You don't have to be tortured, shamed, and guilty all the time in church and live in fear. Let it go. And the way you do that is know the authentic core within has infinite value and worth. And that you really are the real deal and you have great value, regardless of being just merely human. Once you recognize you have the power to change yourself for the good, and you begin to serve others with a smile, love, and friendship, and you begin to quit criticizing and fault-finding everyone else for their shortcomings so that you begin to recognize the good and praise that good and let them know that good is in them, you have no more room for guilt and fear in you. And without question, that is an absolutely glorious state to be in. That I can testify.